What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Rockcast. And uh, today we have Jaden Bales back on. We haven't had you on in a while. Well, it's like a year ago. Oh, something like that. Yeah, Talking it feels like stuff. it feels like I've been on every week, but I guess that's just because I listen to it. Yeah, You're doing maybe. A great job with this maybe thing. that's why. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Thanks. You're like uh, one of the first ones we had on talking about food. We got to do that again. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, so Cody Rich is still doing the backcountry fuel box and yeah. uh he's he's changed things up pretty good. Like he's he's kind of listened to people's feedback and added like a, just a snack box instead of having uh the freeze-dried meals and kind of cheapen things up there. It's still a sweet sweet subscription. I still get it. I still get the box too, even though do I don't you? work there full time. Oh nice. yeah. It's my snack stash. My snack stash. Yeah. Oh, so- you bet. But yeah, thanks for having me on again. I yeah. know like <clears throat> I screw around enough on the rock, the rock slide forums and stuff. I'm sure that this isn't the first time someone's seen my name come across, but oh, yeah. uh, I always like these conversations. So thank you. Yeah, for sure. So let's uh, remind people of where, where you're working now and kind of what your, what your job is. Okay, good. Uh, yeah. My name is Jaden Bales. I work for the Wyoming Wildlife Federation. I, run our fundraising and communications here, uh, in Lander, Wyoming. So, uh, I used to work for Cody rich. I still do, uh, I do his mealy Monday podcast, which is on the Patreon feed, uh, am, am a, uh, clinically diagnosed air freak, I guess you could say. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what brings me here today. So maybe talk a little mule deer, talk a little Wyoming and a bunch of, bunch of different things. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the big things that just went through, is uh the 9010 bill which is uh that'd be house bill 43 and can you talk a little bit about what that is yeah so just before we get into the details of house bill 93 i think it's really important and i've seen these threads out there on on rock slide but it's really important that we acknowledge that this bill came out of this uh 18 person wildlife task force it includes like game and fish commissioners, legislators, people who represent the hotels and, and rec, like outdoor rec industry, as well as just average sportsmen, right? And so this 18-person wildlife task force uh, has been meeting uh, you know, periodically this last year. They've got another six months, I think, that they're going to meet uh, in Casper, Wyoming. They also do this like live feed, so everyone can go and watch these, uh, these conversations happen and or go back and watch the ones that already did happen. And so they're trying to tackle these issues that have been always coming up, you know, and whether it was with the commission or with the lawmakers, like it trying to come down to an actual solution that a diverse group of folks can get behind. Right. And by diverse group of folks, I'm talking about everyone who makes their money off of um, non-residents at the hotels and the gas stations to that guides and outfitters to landowners, um, to, you know, like I said, a handful of sportsmen on there too. Um, a lot of people thought that the way it was put together was unfair, but you know, at the end of the day, I think after watching this process take place, it's been like, okay, these people are seriously wrestling with the public comment that's happening and, um, are wrestling with a lot of complex issues, right? That takes us to this 9010 bill. Um, so most people, might know already, but they've been trying to get 9010. Uh, they, as in just people of Wyoming, have been trying to get 9010 for 
all the species for, for quite a while. Yeah. I think we we're on our fourth or fifth year. Um, and this task force basically sat down and said, okay, you know what, what one thing that all stakeholders can agree on is that there is not a lot of opportunity for moose, sheep, mountain goat, bison, and one day there probably won't be much opportunity, but hopefully there will be some for grizzly bear. So they, they call it the big five. Um, and they just basically sat down and said, we can agree that, you know, residents probably should have more opportunity for these, these big five species. Um, and that's how they came down to 9010. Um, and so this bill, it, like I said, it changes it from whatever it was, you know, it was like 75, 25, which was, uh, man, I don't know Colorado's, uh, allocation, but otherwise I know it's, it's really close to the most generous in the lower 48 for non-residents. Um, and then on top of that, it says, if, uh, you draw one of these licenses, it is a once in a lifetime license. And that's specifically for the, the male of those species, right? Um, there's like a five-year waiting period for a U, uh, bighorn sheep tag, or, you know, like a cow moose tag and a bison, uh, cow calf tag. So like there's now a once in a lifetime for all of these species or five-year wait period. If you get one of the female of these species tags, um, just to try to help people who've never haunted the species, get an opportunity to get there eventually. So that's, uh, that's basically what this bill did. And it's going to be rolled out July 1st of this year. So it doesn't take place. Uh, it doesn't take place during this year's draw. Um, you know, the 90, the 90, 10 won't be in a, um, but, uh, yeah, basically it's, it's being implemented pretty quick. Nice. Okay. So the 90 and 10 part of it is 90% of the tags go to residents and 10% to non-residents, right? Yeah, sorry, that was a very foundational okay. piece. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just kind of speaking from just like, oh, of course everyone knows. But yeah, yeah. 90% of these licenses go to residents, 10% go to non-residents. Okay, but even for residents, it is still, now it's a once in a lifetime? Correct. And part of it is retroactive too, because there was a five-year waiting period um, that was already in place. If you're still in that five-year waiting period, this actually takes out your opportunity to hunt one of those species again. So let's say Joe Schmo killed a sheep in 2020 and you're two years into your five-year waiting period. That actually retroactively says, nope, you actually killed your once-in-a-lifetime sheep. So that's new with this thing too. Interesting. I did not know that with this. I didn't read through the the whole thing, but I just skimmed through a couple of articles and nobody really talked about that. Nope. It, and, and I will say this is some of the thing that I think, um, you know, was, was good. Yeah. I'm just going to go out and say, I think it's personally, yeah. it's good about this bill was like, look, it's not just saying residents get this continual opportunity over and over again. When you look at the amount of licenses for sheep or moose or goat, there's just like, not very many of them. Mm -hmm. So even the residents here, like when you changed it from a 75, 25 split to a 90, 10 split, if you kept status quo, it wouldn't change your draw odds very much. And then, you know, so like, that was the whole idea is like, okay, well, instead of putting people back in the system and creating this perpetual issue, uh, let's try to, you know, I guess give folks who haven't had a tag more of a chance. Yeah. It, I mean, it makes sense. And it took away, what do you think that's going to do to draw odds for non-residents that have points? Um, I've talked to a lot of, so Wyoming Wildlife Federation has quite a few non-resident 
members, right? So we've been hearing it from all sides on this issue for many years now. <laughs> it's like the first thing that I tackled when I started working here a couple of years ago was just like, oh, geez, this is hard. <laughs> um, and you know, like this one guy, his name's Ken, he's got 24 sheet points. And he was asking me about this bill last year. And I said, Ken, burn your dang points, man. And he's like, well, I'll just, I'll try it again. So he applied for this unit that took the same amount of, like took his amount of points the year prior. And then he was one of, or he was, uh, uh, there were four people at his point pool and only one got a tag that year. The point crept up on him. And so this year I'm like, dude, Ken, you got to burn those you suckers. Have like, to. You got to go down, man. Like you got to come cut back. And I, I just think one, if people haven't noticed this yet, um, or they didn't know that it was coming through before applying, this year, I bet you point creep is going to bump up pretty good. And then next year, it like inevitably will because there will be a cut in tags for non-residents. Um, yeah. For residents, it actually is probably not going to, it's not going to fix point creep. There's still going to be point creep in all of the highly sought after units. Uh, but what it might do is stave it off. So instead of jumping one point every two years, it'll probably jump one point in the next four years, you know, as an example. Yeah. Let me throw another scenario at you. So uh, residents for the like, you know, quote unquote, once in a lifetime species, they, you can uh, gain points for those. Just residents can only gain points for sheep and moose. It's a random draw for bison. It's a random draw for mountain goat. Okay. So those people that have already shot a sheep, but maybe have 10 points for sheep, those are going to be gone. Nope. They're still good. So if they've shot a sheep and they're in they're in the draw currently, they're oh, okay. still, they're still good. It's if, if it's, if they're in the five year wait period, cause okay. there's a five year grace period where you can't apply for sheep again. Okay. That so, makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So they're basically, if you already have waited your five years and then you're gaining points again, you're kind of grandfathered in because you've already started spending more money for points. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. There was a lot of talk of like retroactively going that other yeah. direction and it got people's hackles raised pretty quick. I was like, Oh boy, here we go. So, but no, yeah. that's what they, that's what they decided on. Okay. So Jess Johnson, uh, unfortunately couldn't join us today so yeah jess um and just to clarify she runs kind of all of our legislative stuff so while i might have a lot of background maybe on 9010 she's the one who's actually down there talking to legislators and trying to make sure this stuff doesn't get screwed with this bill like as it was coming through the uh the process got like 11 different uh, amendments put onto it and like people were trying to screw with this thing and uh, so she was down there playing some defense trying to just keep it as the task force had intended um for instance someone brought up like well we need to apply 9010 to all of the governor's licenses and commissioner's licenses so basically they would look at the i don't remember what it is 56 commissioner's licenses that are raffled off each year and say well only well either five or six however that works out um all people who are non-residents can get those licenses well for the people and the fundraising like anyone who knows that's doing one of those commissioners licenses, most of the money raised comes from non-residents and it would just yeah. have totally screwed that system up. So, um, man, I would just say like, you know, that she was playing a ton of defense on this bill and she's playing a ton of defense on every bill that freaking comes through. Cause it is just really hard not to 
to, to get something introduced and then have it come through the way it was intended to. Um, so yeah, kudos to her. And, and then, uh, yeah. Anna Kaufman is working with her too. And, and they're, they're just working their tails off trying to, um, you know, get good bills through for hunting and wildlife and then, uh, bat off the bad ones. Yeah. I definitely want to talk to like, get her on and talk to her at some point about like the legislation, maybe dig deeper into that stuff. Um, but there's a reason she couldn't be with us today and that's, could you dive into that, that bill that's happening? (laughs) Yeah. So Wyoming has a bill that was passed five years ago. Um, that allows for the farming of sage grouse and folks may or may not have seen this thing come through it's uh, senate file 61 sf 61 um and that bill gave it a five-year sunset to like test it out let's see if these sage grouse can get grown in captivity and then be released in the wild uh we fought it at wyoming wildlife federation i wasn't working here then but we fought it then and then it got through and then it's like you know getting poised to die and then the sponsors are really trying to get that thing uh, extended. The important thing to note, well, there's, there's pretty much three main factors here. One, these farmers are taking these eggs out of the wild, uh, you know, sage grouse eggs out of the wild, and then trying to raise them in the pens to, to try to grow more of them. Right. But the survival rate so far has been like, or the, the hatch rate has been like 2%. And then like Ooh. the survival rate, if you release that, whatever small percentages into the wild is, you know, somewhere between four to 8% in six months. So it's just like, is not a good idea for one. And for two, like whether or not you're farming commercial farming of an animal is a reason to get something listed on the ESA. So, um, this just is a bad idea. (laughs) And, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, they're, they're talking about extending the sunset and that vote's going on today. Well, we've been watching it for the last three days. Um, cause you never know when it's going to come up, but she's in the middle of of hustling that one, trying to get it to either get a good sunset put on it, basically. So an expiration date on that sage grouse bill or uh, kill it all together and just ha- hopefully it doesn't get renewed. All right, folks, just jumping in here real quick to thank our sponsor Onyx Hunt Maps. You can use code rockcast at checkout online at onyxmaps.com forward slash hunt uh, to get 20% off of a mapping uh, system. So you can do that. Uh, We've been using Onyx a whole bunch. Uh, I just added a third monitor to my office and it seems like Onyx pretty much just stays on that monitor all the time and it's probably more distracting than anything. But um, I've got a whole bunch of new pins set and one thing that I've been using quite a bit is the optimal wind feature uh, for tree stands specifically uh, in Nebraska on the ranch. So You can literally, when you drop a pin, you're going to go ahead and drop it, save it. And then when you go back into it, you scroll all the way to the bottom and there's going to be a thing. I think it's called Waypoint Tools. And underneath that is going to be Set Your Winds. So you can have it to where um, when you're, uh, there's like a, a weather feature right through the app. So when you have service, the app is going to use your phones like GPS to find the nearest weather station and it's going to pull weather from that and the wind direction from that. Um, so what you can do is if you want to set like the, I like the optimal wind side of it. So basically what you do with a tra- uh, tree stand is you, you basically tell the app 
which direction the wind is best coming from. So if it's better to sit in that stand with a south wind, you can set your optimal winds. Um, and then uh, after you save that, when you're looking at your app, from just a glance, it will tell you like green directions or red directions. And red means it's a bad wind. Green means it's a good wind. So if you have a bunch of stands or a bunch of like blinds set out uh, like we do during season, it's really nice to be able to just program those in quick. And it'll, it can just give you a quick, like if you need to change blinds real quick for some reason or, or change, you know, the weather comes in, you want to put somebody in a blind instead of a tree stand, you can, you know, pull it up and, and uh, change that real quick. So just kind of a nice feature that seems like it's been handy to use. Black Rifle Coffee is the uh, next partner that we really enjoy. I really like their coffee. Um, the Silencer Smooth is what we've been going to lately, along with like a mix of AK Espresso. That's a really good blend. Um, you can use code ROCKSLIDE at checkout at blackriflecoffee.com for 20% off your first order. So back in with Jaden. So that was the sage grouse deal. I guess another thing on 9010, uh, real quick that I had written down was so the history. So last year, the 9010 like got shot down. Yeah. Um, was the difference that it was for all species? Yes. The difference okay. in 2021 was that it was for all species. They've gone back and forth a couple times when they brought these previous bills up um, with how many species or what species they're including. And then also the pricing differences that are, that would change as a result. Um, this specific bill didn't have a pricing change that I remember reading. God, I hope I'm not wrong on that, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's basically uh, why it was, it was, push through with the wildlife task forces because they said like these we can all agree these five critters like should be 90 10 yeah was, and it, and yeah, it did it sailed right through it sounded like yeah there wasn't even a not a single nay vote in the senate so you know i think there was a little bit of opposition in the house but yeah it was uh it was unanimous in the senate so interesting so uh you're in wyoming and you deal a lot with wildlife in wyoming which makes sense. Um, can you, is there anything else like coming up in terms of bills or like changes? Is there going to be like a bunch of season changes or, you know, anything like that? Uh, I think you got a lot to watch for with chronic wasting disease in Wyoming. Um, you know, I, th I think one, I know that Jess is really going to work hard on, on, bringing forth a bill to try to get more carcass disposal and like some more dump stations and stuff like that. Kind of like they've done, uh, back East or in the Midwest, um, to try to keep these carcasses from getting just hucked everywhere and, and potentially spreading more of it out on the landscape. Um, so that's one thing, like I can, I can confidently say we're going to be working on doing some more of that. Um, but I think you'll also, like you said, maybe see some season changes changes uh, based on the information that's coming out of like Colorado and um, some of the updated science we've got on testing and stuff like that. Uh, places that let's just say like this unit X has a pretty high rate of chronic wasting disease and also a lot of bucks, like you're 10 or 15 bucks over the objective there. Uh, they're going to probably try to knock those buck numbers back to the objective and um by offering a couple more hunting seasons and stuff like that. You know, it's going to be, um, Wyoming's season settings 
process happens every single year and it is a public process with uh digital commentary that's available so um you know it's something that people can follow and that actually that occurs uh starting about march 17th 15th 17th something like that and runs for that whole next week so uh that's coming up and like i said there's uh there's digital um streams of that stuff so anyone can watch in and, and, and comment and be part of that process yeah what's the best way to keep up with those or just know when they're going to happen i uh i actually i didn't cue you up for this either so thank you mm-hmm. um i just created a, a post on wyoming wildlife uh uh website i've got them all listed there and i've got it sorted by region and i've got it uh i've got the the zoom link also included on our web page so i'll uh i'll kick that your way and you can include it in the show notes or something and yeah um people can check it out there yeah yeah that would be that would be really helpful um what's kind of the what's kind of the word around the state for how like herds are doing and snow levels and it was really dry last year and oh, yeah. uh, like dude here in boise we haven't gotten any snow like it's been pretty rough. Do you get any of the last 24 hours? Or um it's it's actually it's raining up there right now, but everything oh, like the last couple of days, everything was kind of like very patchy moving through. Okay. Well, we we just got a dump of snow. Uh I walked around in my front yard with a little ruler and <laughs> I came up with seven inches of new snow. Uh we're supposed to get four to eight tonight and um a little bit more tomorrow. So like around wyoming most of the state i'm looking at the drought monitor right now most of the state is in basically like a moderate to severe to exceptional drought like it's it's dry um you look at the snowpack right now western wyoming which is where most people are really focused on coming to and hunting western wyoming sitting at somewhere around 76 75 80 percent snowpack um so that doesn't bode too well for the uh for the the drought and uh kicking that this spring uh i will say though i I pay real close attention to kind of the weather patterns and there's a sweet um maybe weather nerds like me think it's sweet but (laughs) dawn day does a really good forecast of uh what's kind of happening and the trends and and uh he and there's like four or five storms lined up right now in the pacific that should be coming through. So while we're sitting at 75, 80% across most of the state right now, uh, we should be getting a little bit of relief if, if, you know, hopefully we end the month of March and early April in that 90 to hundred uh, percent snowpack. Uh, but right now, basically the two areas that are, that are in good shape are lander here um, up to Dubois and th- that's about 90%. And then the snowy range and Sierra Madres are doing pretty good. Otherwise it's, it's low tide. So, um, yeah, we, we better get some more, uh, we better get some more snow here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, good thing is though, that, uh, deer herds that, that low snow and like the, the kind of easier winters has allowed them to rebound better. Um, that Southwest part of the state, you know, that was hit just so hard in 2016, 2017, it still struggled to come back. Um, you know, and I'm talking like specifically that region K type stuff. If non-residents are looking at a map, um, they're, they're having a hard time growing deer again. Um, but everywhere else has, has rebounded pretty nicely. Um, especially when you talk to those Northern Wyoming range guys, the Pinedale, the Jackson area, um, that you know, often oftentimes are the first to complain about low deer numbers. They're they're actually doing a little better, uh, and those bucks are are you know, if you think about the age class that is coming up, they're probably in that four and a half, five and a half year old 
uh, range because it's been that long since that winter. Um, so they're, you know, they're, that's just going to be better uh, as the years go on, I think, uh, as long as we don't get another just hammer of a snowstorm or hammer of a, of a winter too. So, um, yeah. like I said, the deer, deer are doing overall better. Um, but you can always pick out little micro pockets where they're just suffering and, and not doing super well for one reason or another. So, yeah, it's really interesting to like the dynamic of the weather and the snowpack to like herds and things like that. And a lot of it is just, we, we can't control the weather and we can't control how <clears throat> a lot of this happens, but it's interesting. Cause it's like, you have a year where there's not a lot of snowpack, like mm-hmm. it's drier. So they have an easier winter. So it seems like more deer are making it through the winter. And then, but you know, the offside to that is there's not as much snowpack in the high country or like just not enough moisture around. So the habitat isn't as good in the summertime and then you have more deer around because they more made it through the winter, but there's not enough food for them. And it's just yeah. like this cycle, right? Totally. It's interesting. <laughs> so I just, uh, we're, we're on zoom here. So I just tilted my screen back this buck yeah. that's right behind me is a 143 inch three by four. And it's, uh, of the four mule deer I've shot in the last couple of years. It is the smallest. Um, and it is the oldest it's six and a half years old. And I can't help but think that that has to be somewhat related to habitat. You know, like it's gotta be like this drought, um, is, is tough when it comes to putting on enough groceries to then focus on some of that antler growth. Um, he also could have been on the downhill slide at six and a half, but I don't know, man, it just feels like <clears throat> any of the, the antler data you look at. And when you talk to guys like Robbie Denning, who are, who are doing a lot of tooth aging, that's six and a half, seven and a half year old, that should be their prime antler growth years. And, yep. um, maybe just genetically, this guy wasn't poised to grow a whole lot more than what he was at. But like I said, uh, um, you know, I think that that drought definitely is going to suppress some of that antler growth. If we don't get, get more, uh, moisture on the ground yeah yeah it's really interesting looking at at all that like i've heard him and uh travis kind of bs back and forth and one of the big deer that travis killed i mean he was like over 200 and he was three and a half that's crazy. and it was just like the genetics had to be you know right in there but then you look at i was just looking at robbie's article he made i think it was called breaking 200 and he listed like all of his big deer and they were all like five and a half, six and a half, like all of them were right there. Huh. That's crazy. Yeah. That's such a good, Oh, and that's a great article, by the way. I just read that the other day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so hopefully, you know, you look at the landscape of Wyoming, hopefully we get a little bit more, uh, better conditions. It's always hard. Cause you're balancing. Like you said, you're trying to balance whether you're killing critters off with too much snow or, uh, not having enough groceries to, to get them fat for the summer. So, um, yeah, yeah, it just, you can't ever control it. And for a lot of, a lot of reasons, but a lot of people say that, you know, right now we're getting more extreme versions of each, right. We go from a, a deep drought to, uh, to then a, a deep hardcore winter and it's kind of the oscillation back and forth is getting harder. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what have you got going on this year for mule deer? Well, I will say that, uh, 
I'm looking, I'm looking at this local area. Uh, I was texting you while I was doing this the other day. I'm yeah. looking at this local area, looking for some new uh, mule deer spots, not because I don't have any, but just because my little brother is coming out this year oh, nice. um, and he's a non-resident, right? So he's coming out um, to hunt that deer season. And I just want to make sure we have a good experience with him. Um, so I might be looking at picking up some, some early August tags. We'll see, uh, how like Nevada, Utah work out, but, um, yeah, going to be focused on hunting with him and, uh, and maybe doing a little bit of extra stuff depending on how draws work out. Yeah. Are you going to do a lot of archery stuff? Or are you going to try to like capitalize? Well, I suppose the August stuff is going to be archery. Yeah. The August stuff would be archery. Um, but for the most part, man, I, I really like this archery season, uh, in some of the low country, it's kind of grown on me. I'm going to be honest. And I know that's yeah. counterintuitive because everyone in Wyoming, uh, or everyone, especially outside Wyoming, like looks at that Western Wyoming country and, and just loves it. I love it too. I did a nine day backpack hunt up there in 21 and had a blast, but, um, I found out, man, I don't think I'm good enough hunter to make good on, on that <laughs> archery season. I just, at least not yet, man. It's, it's, uh, I'm going to do my best, but, uh, you know, I think I really like just getting to know this local country and, and figure it out. And, um, the deer that the big buck potential is severely limited compared to that Western Wyoming stuff. Right. I mean, I think that's not really a secret, yeah. but, um, but it's fun. I'm going to, I'm going to try to, give her, give her heck there. And then, uh, you know, we've got enough kind of friends and family, uh, who have Wyoming tags too, that it's, uh, it's fun to, to go hunt hard with them. And, uh, you know, just like watching your, uh, Colorado elk hunt with, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. That looked like a good time. So, you know, that, that kind oh, of yeah. stuff where you're going out and actually putting together a big trip with, uh, friends, family, spouses, like that's the way to go. Oh yeah. And yeah, that lower stuff too is like, I mean, we all like backpacking in, but let me tell you, being able to have a sweet camp set up and be comfortable and just like be able to go back to someplace that's warm and you can stand up and stretch out and have a little more creature comforts. Like, I think that makes you, it definitely helps stay more comfortable. And I think you hunt harder as a result of it. I totally agree. You know, like last year we had uh, three guys that, well, there's three of us total who were hunting together, uh, for deer and we were sleeping at the house every night, right? Like on, they had their guest beds and, and I had my own bed and, uh, every single morning, man, we were, we were getting up and putting on, you know, two, three miles in the dark, you know, trying to get back into these places or, you know, if it wasn't mileage, we were going, you know, straight up or back into these canyons. And, um, I think that honestly, like, because, everyone, not everyone, because there are so many people who are backpacking right now. Mm -hmm. If you're putting that same effort in, uh, to get to places that people wouldn't want to go like with sans backpack, uh, it seems, you know, it seemed to be a pretty productive, uh, mode of operation for us. I really liked it anyway. And, um, yeah. like I said, you know, it's like you're sleeping in your own bed or, you know, for people who are traveling out, you can sleep on an air mattress in the back of your truck or something. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it definitely just makes it more comfortable. You can have like, you can have better food. And a lot of times, especially later on anyways, during the rifle seasons, those days are starting to get pretty short. You have a lot of downtime. It sucks just to sit in your tent for like two hours, just like twiddling your thumbs. Cause you know, you're not going to be able to, to sleep all night if you go to bed then. Oh, so. totally. 
my, my brother and I, and my dad, we, we all went on an elk hunt last year and it was some bigger wilderness type country that we were hunting the edge of and dad can't get back in there. But Tyler and I, we would start hiking like again, you know, an hour or two hours before daylight, you get back in there and then you're as far back in there as you would have been if you had a backpack on anyway. Yeah. Right. And then you come back yeah. and dad's making stroganoff on the little camp stove or whatever. And it was great. Yeah. But such uh, a great way to do it. Are you, are you planning on coming out in this direction this year? Uh, yeah. Thinking about it, thinking about drawing a tag and getting back into the home country. If you will, are you, uh, are, are you concerned at, about point creep or like the draws at all, uh, con, you know, compared with how every other state seems to be operating? Yeah. Um, I would say that maybe that's some of the reason that I'm, I'm burning the points. Um, I'm like, right. Like, I don't think I'm at the point where I could be behind it. Like this year, if it jumps a point, I'm going to be like, Oh God. But that's some of the reason, I don't know. I've been going back and forth because I'm like, I know that I can draw it this year. And honestly, a lot of it is I know that I have the time this year. And uh, I'm not 100% sure with the way things are going, like if I'm going to get that again or when I will get that again. So I'm like, if I can hunt it now, let's just, let's hunt it now before 9010 gets passed for everything. <laughs> I, I will tell you, uh, I'm not saying that it's going to be from Wyoming Wildlife Federation, but um, I will tell you that there are a lot of people who would be, um, who would try to light, light stuff on fire if I, you know, as a, as, as saying, uh, if 9010 gets proposed for the rest of, this, of the uh, species. So, yeah, um, I hope I have. On on behalf of all of the fights that I see happening on the interwebs right now, I just I we don't need to add another thing to be up in arms about right now. I just maybe oh, that's a little pacifist of me, but uh, that's that's how I view it. So I no. think you're I think you're right, and I hope not too many people are thinking the same way you do. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I hope not. I hope not either. But yeah, I just think um, I have the points to draw it this year. I'm gonna have a little bit of time to do it, so I'm like. I'm just going to do it. It's going to be, you know, it's further now for sure than it used to be um, when I was in Nebraska, but I'm going to be going back and forth anyways a lot. So yeah, oh, that'd be good. I'm going to, I'm going to do it and I'm going to rely on a lot of my past knowledge of it. Cause I don't know if I'm really going to have a lot of time to scout. So because it as is a so non-resident, far. as a non-resident, how do you plan? How do you plan these things? I know that like you've done as much research and as much interviewing of people as anybody, how yeah. do you plan, how do you plan these non-resident, uh, archery hunts and these the kind of the scouting, the scoutable hunts, how do you plan these out? Yeah. The scouting part, it, uh, some of the places I've been looking at, like now that I live here, um, some of the, the States I have tried to focus on going to States and places that are a little closer, just so it's a little more, um, it's easier to take longer trips because it's just, you're not burning a lot of time driving. Um, for this particular spot, it is one of those like going back to old stomping grounds and I just want to, it's a place that I love. So I'm just going to do it. I'm going to rely a lot on just past knowledge of it, but I'm going to try to get a scouting trip in. Um, and I think what I'm going to try to focus on more so, uh, then going back to the places that I 
I know for sure is expanding more on what I already know. So maybe trying to like, I, I have a circle that I am pretty good at navigating. I kind of know what the deer like to do. I'm just going to, when I go on my scouting trip, I'm definitely going to like look through that country, but I'm going to try to make that circle bigger. So if something happens and I roll in and I like don't have a specific deer nailed down, which I, you know, just probably won't, um, I'll just have maybe more options in my back pocket. We'll see. And I might have to take advantage of the rifle season, um, as well. So that later season is, uh, you know, they're just probably not going to be where they were during archery. So oh, yeah, for sure. Do, that that was a, a, that was a long way of saying, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I just, I fake it. I keep, uh, I haven't done it yet. Wait. I haven't done it with archery equipment yet. Uh, but for instance, I was looking at that Nevada situation and I was kind of like, ah, I might just not, I might just not scout it and, uh, see what a guy can turn up, you know, in like 10 It's days, like a fun years, challenge. Yeah, exactly. And then you yeah. go in there and you're just like, you have no expectation too. You're just kind of like, Oh shit, let's see what we can turn up here. And, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a disciple of maybe the Brian Barney method. Like if it gets your blood going, like then go chase it. Um, uh, I, I love listening yeah. to Robbie and, and I love your guys' podcast that you do, but I, I don't think I've got the, I don't think I've got the mega buck, uh, the mega buck patience, man. It just takes so much work. Yeah. And I don't think enough people are, are honest with themselves about that. Yeah. I almost do to a fault to where like, if I find a deer and I wouldn't say like mega buck, but if I find a deer on a Ridge, this happened this last year. I just put all my eggs in that basket and just focus too much on that. And then pretty soon, you know, we go on an archery trip and Leah is like bored as hell. Cause she keeps hearing about this deer that I've seen. She still has never seen it. And, uh, she's sitting there hunting a hillside that like, we haven't seen anything on. And I'm like, Oh God, now, now what? Cause then, uh, you know, we just want to go see deer and start feeling pressure to move. And then we move into an area that we have never been in before. It's a little rattling, but, uh, so I'm, that's one thing I'm going to try to work on this year is just cover more country and more so just to not even to find, like hopefully find deer, but just to like have other options of places to go where, you know, and you've been to before and you know what it looks like, um, to look. So yeah, that's good, man. That's kind of what, and that's why I was texting you when I was texting you the other day, I was, yeah, I, there was like this little parcel of ground that's back tucked in behind some private land. Um, you know, and I was out there after work or I think I did a half day that day. Anyway, I was out there screwing around because it's like, once season comes, like, I don't actually, I don't really want to be, um, looking in a drainage that has no deer. Right. Yeah. Like I said, that's kind of con contrary to the idea of going to Nevada and not having scouted, but, uh, you know, it's this, it's this notion that you don't want to be like going back to the drawing board. You just always want to know like, okay, like bucks are hitting, uh, this is just like a rifle example. Yeah. Bucks are hitting the sumac. Let's drop out of the aspens and go down to like the buck brush and like, see what they're doing down there. And, you know, see if you can turn them up. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I talked to, uh, Dan Brannigan. Did you listen to that podcast on his book? Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, it was Keep a good though. one. I, yeah. He I, was, he was talking about scouting like after season 
and like later on, you know, like looking at what the deer, and I think that that's like such a good way to, um, just be able to watch deer more. Cause they're, you know, later season, they're down off the tops are a little more congregated, I guess. So just being able to watch them and like notice what they're eating on or notice, you know, whatever can just, it can help you out overall. And then like, you don't always have to scout in the summertime. I mean, we all, you know, want to find deer and stuff, but a lot of the scouting that we're doing is, um, especially in a new area, it's all logistical to start out with. You can do that anytime. Yeah. I love it. That's just like, you know, as I go from spot to spot or like, you know, I'm running a ridge, just kind of seeing what's in the area, like dropping pins, like, Ooh, this is a good glass of knob, you know? And that, that way in the morning when you're like trying, you're like, the sun's coming up, you already were 10 minutes late. Cause somebody had to, you know, go to the throne in their <laughs> morning ritual. You're just like, Oh my God, I got to get to the top, you know? And then, uh, you, you get there and you know, exactly where you're headed. That kind of, I, I love that approach. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, like, I feel like I've got a good feel for that area and it'll be interesting to see what it's like now, you know, after not being in there for a couple years, three years, three seasons, I think it's been since I've been there. Like, do things still hold true or am I just going to get kicked in the face? Yeah. What do you, <laughs> what, what do you expect to happen? Um, if you're like, I, if you're, yeah, if you're just taking like a wild guess here, I really expect it. Um, did you see very many two-year-old bucks in there <laughs> three years ago? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> not really, not a lot. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I kind of expect, uh, I expect it to be pretty damn close to what it was like. Um, I kind of wonder about like the pockets, if the same like specific pockets will have deer in them or if they'll like jump around in pockets, if that makes sense. Yeah, I just, this year I sent two friends into this high country spot uh, outside of, that's fine, Uh, outside of Laramie. (laughs) And, uh, I was like, Hey, I'd seen some deer in here. Um, the first friend, both of them had never, the one of them had killed a deer before, uh, mule deer before. And then the other one had never killed a deer before. And, um, I was like, yeah, I saw a bunch of bucks up there. Like I never did get to hunting them very hard, but like, go check this little, this little drainage out. And, um, so I scouted that in 2019 and they went in 2021 and, two different parties of people went and killed bucks out of the exact same spot. So I, I don't wonder, I think I'm voting, I'm voting for there being bucks in your spot and you're going to be pretty happy with it. Yeah, I, I hope so. And I think that like, uh, this last place that I scouted, well, that I shot a buck just this last year in 21. Um, I really wonder about that too. Like, will that Ridge still have bucks on it? Like probably, I guess. Yeah. And I think, you know, you hear like Robbie talk about like the buck parties and like, you know, maybe the a number of deer in that spot kind of fluctuates with time, but it seems almost like the only time that there's a complete exodus is when you have like those major weather events that screw things up or like a major drought where instead of being at the top of the mountain, those, those deer are now down closer to the water sources or whatever that case might be, you know? Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it personally, but we'll see. Yeah. 
uh, it just like all this stuff just takes so much time in the field. It's just like year after year, like I'm sure. So this last year, um, you know, I have a bunch of spots marked on a map and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go scout these. And then I go scout it and I like find some deer and they're not at all where I thought that they were going to be. So then you start, you know, shifting to that. And then you think, oh yeah, I have them down. Like we're going to find these bucks during archery season. No problem. And then you go a whole weekend without seeing a buck and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And then <laughs> you just start over again. But I don't know. It just seems like I get really confident and then I get in and just seems like, you know, get punched in the face or whatever and everything gets shooken up and then it's like you're starting over. I don't know. It's just uh, being comfortable with that, you know? I was, that's exactly what I was going to say is like, I remember right when I first started looking for new hunting spots, like, so like you growing up and I'm sure it was the same way in Nebraska with you, right? Like wherever dad or, or grandpa or whoever took you while you were yeah. learning to hunt, like those are just there, right? At some point you have to go and like figure out how to find new spots for yourself, whether it's in the same state or not, right? Like you're going to this yeah. someplace new. And as soon as I started doing that, I was like, oh my God, there's just no deer. Like this is, this is <laughs> yeah. hard, right? Like uh -huh. this is tough. But then I realized like, like last year I was on this Nevada hunt. That was, uh, I know it was, I think it was a pretty good hunt. There should have been some big deer around. And it was like day three, we'd only seen a couple forked horns. And I was like, oh God, do I just suck? Like what is happening here? Uh, but I think everyone goes through that, man. I think like at some point, like especially in these lower density areas like deer hunting is a, a test of patience almost more than anything yeah yeah and you know you're looking at like you know robbie and travis and those guys are out finding big big deer like i talked to robbie gosh it was a couple years ago and i filmed with him and uh i asked him how you know how many days he scouted and i don't even remember how many days but he told me he'd seen he sorted through like 80 bucks eight zero i was like oh my god that's so much like that's so many and so much like country covered and like yeah they're just that's just a lot of time in country covered to try to find you know a really big deer like like they're doing well that's uh I'll give, I'll give a little bit of uh, <clears throat> information that people can learn from these public meetings that are coming up here. Um, they do classification studies, right. Of, of deer on the winter range. So this is post hunt. Like this is what deer are left after everyone's done all the shooting. Yeah. Um, and they do these uh, classifications class uh, one deer are 20 inches or smaller, right? Like they, this is all based oh. on antler width uh, class one deer, 20 inches or smaller. Class two deer are, um, if I remember right, 20 or basically 25 inches or smaller. So, right. So 20 to 25 inches, basically right about that ear width. Yeah. And then they have class three deer, which are wider than their ears, basically, but 26 inches or wider. Um, and, uh, they're doing all these classifications via the helicopter. So they're getting a big aerial view and have a pretty good distribution because they see so many deer throughout the day. Um, and those class three deer, man, um, they're usually like five to 8% of the deer. Right. Yeah. So if you want to shoot a class, like, and this isn't even looking at like overall score, right. Some of these guys could be super crabby or whatever. and just be like wide bucks. 
But if you want like that class three buck, you're looking at like five, eight, maybe definitely less than 10% of the deer that are on the landscape. Right. So run the numbers, man. <laughs> you got to look at a lot of deer to find them. Yeah, dude, a ton of deer. And it just takes a lot of time if that's mm-hmm. what you want to do. But yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun this year. I'm trying to come up with, uh, a gear system. That's like, you know, really light and fast. And I want to do some midweek, like go in and do like an evening and a morning sit. So like, you know, hike in, do like an evening sit, be able to like throw a tent up right there or like a really lightweight tarp and then, uh, glass the morning and then head back dude i i have the exact same like like vision for this next year um i don't know if i'm supposed to tell people this yet but i'm gonna anyway i'm gonna get a uh i'm gonna get one of these uh argali tents the new tents he just came out with it's 1.6 pounds i'm like yeah uh and then i can have some someone can ride roll with me you know uh and uh, I'm going to be doing some spring bear hunting, some, uh, yeah, that's probably what I'll primarily focus on. I might just go out on a shed trip just to test it out, but definitely some spring bear hunting in this thing. Um, and uh, I'm excited to do it because I'm going to do the review here on Rock Slide. So we'll see. Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah. So it should be coming out. And I hope that Robbie's not going to kick me for for saying that if that was some sort of secret or anything, but um, yeah. It'll be fine. It'll, I just recorded. I just recorded a podcast with Brad like a couple hours ago. On the on the tents. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Well, then people know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. And, How's your guiding uh, schedule looking for for deer season? Dude, it's good. It's uh, completely full, and we're filling no up kidding. like almost through 23 too. Yeah. So, it's. Uh, I feel kind of bad for people. They especially for turkey season. I think honestly, this last week I've probably had eight guys contact me about like hunting turkeys this year. And I'm like, dude, we're booked for turkeys through 23. Like that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you need to increase your prices. I know. That's what, that's what I keep saying. Yeah. Well, you're like, what do you expect? Especially you have to, you have to drive back from Idaho. I mean, just count that prices right there in your truck. It's uh four dollar gallon right. gas and yeah that doesn't get me very far yeah yeah but yeah the outfit's doing uh the outfit's doing really well so good good, good to, to hear that yeah yeah it's been it's <laughs> been good that'll be my uh november and december deal i actually just ordered a new muzzleloader that's gonna make the uh december season super kick ass We'll have to, you know, or here, maybe this is a request from listener. You need to do a whole series on muzzleloaders at some point because oh, man. there's a whole, there's a whole world of muzzleloaders and muzzleloader hunts. And I just think that, you know, when we're looking at the way that the, the West is being set up right now with all these, uh, uh, I don't know, like rifle hunting opportunities or hunting opportunities in general seem to be squeezed. It's kind of like, I'm looking at picking up a muzzleloader to try to expand some of those hunting opportunities. Yeah, man. And then there's like regular muzzleloaders and then the muzzleloaders you have to use in like Idaho. And that's like a whole nother podcast in itself. We need to get Robbie on to talk about that. I'm in that camp actually, because I, uh, 
we we have like a muzzleloader whitetail season back on the farm in Oregon. Uh huh. And uh, I don't know how to use those kinds of simple muzzleloaders. The Washington. <laughs> Like I have one, I don't know what to do with it. Oh. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, I vote for that. Do do a simple muzzle loader and then do a uh, single shot rifle uh, muzzle loader yeah, version, which is essentially what you can use in Nebraska. Which is, um, <laughs> you know, if it's legal, use it. That's ex- well, and that's kind of where I landed on a lot of these things. It's like, okay, well, you know, you're gonna end up like, you're you're gonna end up either a like handicapping yourself unnecessarily or be like the the hunting success is going to get so high that 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 opportunity is reduced and i will say not to open too big of a can of worms uh yeah. but uh the bow hunters of wyoming i'm going to pitch this to a different organization not wyoming wildlife federation but bow hunters of wyoming are looking at a lot of these opportunities in wyoming for example and going like uh do we really like with how high success rates you're getting like, do mm-hmm. we really need crossbows in season and those kinds of hard questions? So, um, anyway, they're a great organization too. They've got their banquet coming up and, uh, I'll, I'll be there. They're, they do some good stuff, but yeah, those are all different conversations to be had, right? Like whether or not maximizing the use of a, of a, of a rig of a weapon type is, a can be good for opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's so in the, I don't know if I want to say the scary part about it, but it can be you, uh, you know, you open that up and take that away in a way. And then it kind of opens up the conversation for a lot of other things that maybe you don't want taken away. Yeah, that's exactly so, right. Yeah. It's uh it's a can of worms. It's always of like a fine dance and like, you're so right. You know, that's one of the things that Jess always talks about is like, the hard, half of the time, like the hardest part, if you're opening up well-intentioned change, whether it's regulation or the bill or whatever, is keeping it the way that you wanted it to like change shit. Yeah. Because otherwise you get, you get different stuff changed that um, just totally ruins the whole intent. That's never good. Yeah. No, not um, at all. So how do people get uh, more involved with, um, uh, why or, uh, wildlife yeah, federation wildlife. Wyoming. yep thanks uh yeah if anyone wants to they can go follow us on the on the social medias and stuff uh we are pretty active there um trying to keep people updated the other thing is uh we have this commissioner's tag raffle that we do uh a couple years ago two years ago 2020 uh we had a rock slide guy who won the tag and uh he went on this hunt down in the in the red desert like worked his butt off for 26 days and eventually shot a giant bull um so you know that commissioner's tag raffle is a good way to to get involved and support what we're doing uh while also hopefully giving you a chance at a a sick uh tag um, with that raffle, if we sell out of that son of a gun, we are going to include a, uh, an outfitter with it too. Ooh. So, um, we've got a handful of outfitters that do these kind of main hunts, you know, specifically like the migration deer hunts, the migration elk hunts, and then the central and Southern Wyoming, uh, elk hunts. Um, we've got those guys lined up. And so if, if we can get this son- sucker sold out, uh, we'll outfit somebody, uh, then there's also a handful of other prizes like an Argalia uh, outdoors kit, uh, kill kit with a knife. Um, there's some black Ovis stuff in there, a black Ovis Sweet. bag with a sleeping pad. Um, 
you know, thanks to Kendall and thanks to Brad for, you know, they, they support the heck out of us. And I always appreciate that. And, uh, and then we'll have a rifle. Uh, usually we do a Weatherby, uh, a Weatherby caliber of your choice in that Vanguard uh-huh. series. Um, and then Maven pitched in a range finder. So we've got like five prizes that people can win off of this raffle. Um, nice. so if anyone wants to really get involved, they're supporting a good cause and you've got a chance to win some cool stuff. That's that, like, I haven't even actually, post about that new raffle on social media yet or anything so uh that's fresh off the press that's awesome sweet yeah well man i guess we'll uh we'll wrap it up but uh thanks for coming on again yeah thank you and and uh anyone who is on rock slide uh you can always just drop me a dm there if you want to know more information or you want to give me an earful of it for any of the things that we've (laughs) talked about today um, I just expected at this point, man, that yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I'll oftentimes, if you want, um, I send me a message and then I'll oftentimes ask to call you so we can talk on the phone. Uh, try not to be too much of a keyboard warrior, but yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks again oh, for having man. me on. And I'm, I'm glad we got to touch on some of these issues and hopefully we can get Jess to talk, you know, the, the real expert of legislature after yeah. she's done doing her, her job. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Good. Sweet.